when we're on these projects that the students are reflecting at the end of the day and thinking about, yeah, what are the qualities we see in the leaders that we're looking at? How are they getting the community to, to work on these problems? How do they interact with them? What are the things that you're noticing? So students really start to pick out, you know, we talk about the, the phrase ethical or the, you know, what an ethical leader is, we really help them try and parse and, and see those qualities in the people that um, we're working with. So our NGO partners really are the heart of our organization in the sense that they are the, the inspiration for our students as well as the teachers. You're listening to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast. Here's your host, Stu Swinefort. Hey everybody, Stu here with another great episode of Relish This. Today's guests are Bob Bandoni and Bill Cotter from Students Shoulder to Shoulder. This amazing organization has a really strong vision, and their vision is of a future where leaders around the world come to their positions from the perspective of ethical purpose. They accomplish this through mentorship opportunities that place students shoulder to shoulder with NGOs and the beneficiaries they serve to learn leadership skills that come from a place of caring. One really great part of our discussion centered on ensuring alignment when taking on partners to create a stronger, more cohesive connection between the two organizations. This helps you supercharge your storytelling and engage all your stakeholders effectively. Check out this episode. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Hey guys, how are, how are things going today? Uh, I'll, I guess I'll jump in, Bill. I, um, I, things are good in Colorado. Yes, they are. I, uh, I have Bob and Bill from Students Shoulder to Shoulder today, and um, really excited to have you guys on the show. Well, I'd like to let you, I'll, I'll hand it over to you guys actually here to uh, tell our audience a little bit more about your organization and Okay. Well, maybe, maybe Bill, a, a, a little bit of a um, kind of a brief history of sure. our organization might help a little bit. And Bill, maybe you can jump in and, and talk a little bit about today's programming. Maybe that'll give people a, a perspective. I, I think um, the place to start is, is probably, um, you know, what really initiated the idea behind student shoulder to shoulder and that um, and the start of that is really when the, when the century turned and, um, and I think what was, um, what was initiated by, um, by this onslaught of, of communication technology was the, uh, was the ability for all of us to be able to look in the backyards of everybody around the world. And what we saw were, um, was just inequities, um, really pressing problems um, that were organized in, in the early 2000s, I think 2002, 2003, in a, in a combined effort with the United Nations into what was called then the global goals. And what, what we saw was um, a, a number of the major sectors in our society um, responding to that. Um, schools were educating for, um, uh, for global skills. I think they called them 21st century skills. Um, corporations and businesses were talking about corporate social responsibility. Um, um, major foundations were talking about the big idea. And the person who helped the United Nations actually um, uh, develop these goals um, also wrote a book at that time. His name was Jeffrey Sachs, and he wrote a book at that time called The End of Poverty. And at that point, I was teaching ethics in a, in a small K-12 through school. And, um, and some of this material was part of my curriculum, but it was uh, 
what was clear to me was a number of a number of people um, had good intentions, but were still part of the problem. And the problem being that instead of working collaboratively, there were all of these efforts still in individual silos was one issue. And the other issue was, as nobody at that time was talking about the role of education in addressing this and uh, addressing what we were seeing um, and uncomfortable with that was happening around the world. So we had the idea in a, in a small school to say, well, why don't we, why don't we connect with some nonprofits and, um, and see if we can somehow use the work of the nonprofits as a way to, um, to stir kind of the moral imaginations of young people um, as they um, as they see themselves as, in the future, in their own future, and as they see themselves as leaders. So we started um, at that point, just at a school level, um, putting together what we called programs, which was basically um, flying to the because these were um, all, our, this school was in Colorado and all these sites were outside of Colorado our first year. One was, this was 2007. So this was the first summer we could safely go to okay. New Orleans after Katrina. Um, so uh, we went three places actually, New Orleans and, um, and India um, and, uh, and also Nepal. And the idea was, well, if we just go to do service work, is what we called it at the time, um, we thought that unto itself would um, would be a tremendous learning right. opportunity for students. What happened was when they came back, it was much more than that. Um, it was uh, not only a, um, a learning experience unto itself, but it was... Um, transformative. Um, students came back and described their experiences as if, and I'll say this metaphorically, but it was quite powerful, as if they had gone to another planet. Um, they had seen humanity in a way that they didn't know humanity actually existed. Um, and I will tell you, students who were in rural, rural India um, had no greater transformation than those that went to post-Katrina New Orleans. Um, I specifically remember kids coming back from New Orleans, some of them with tears in their eyes, um, couldn't believe that they lived in the same country. Um, so their inspiration became our inspiration, our being uh, myself and a couple of teachers in the school, we saw it and thought, my goodness, um, there is power in this well beyond what we had imagined in our theory. Um, so that was, so the, so the start of shoulder to shoulder was then, well, wait a minute. If, if we have all of these people with good intentions, um, all of these sectors, I should say, not working together, Instead of our trying to do the same thing, why don't we create um, an organization of partners? Why don't we create an organization that brings nonprofits together with schools, with businesses, with philanthropists, bring them all together and try to create a synergy that, um, that is what we call today, we call a shared value. Um, meaning that everybody who comes to the table is bringing th something unique from their sector, from their particular organization, and they're all leaving the table with something unique. And so that's where the idea of shoulder to shoulder, where the organizational model and, and the roots of the programmatic model actually began. Um, So as, as, as Bob mentioned, um, 
you know, student shoulder to shoulder started out with those three programs. I, I came to know the organization in 2012 when they gave a presentation at a school that I was working at. So I was a teacher at an international school and uh, Bob actually was giving a presentation about student shoulder to shoulder and the idea of it. Um, and as a classroom teacher, I think I felt the same pains of students of, well, yeah, we're learning all this stuff, but you know, what about what's happening out in the real world? How can we get out and do it? Um, and I was definitely on their side. So when I heard about student shoulder to shoulder, I instantly wrote to the team at that time to ask if I could be a course instructor. So those are the people who lead our summer courses. Um, and they're all teachers from our partner schools. So actually my first experience with student shoulder to shoulder was leading a course in Bolivia with a group of students. And I think similar to what Bob said with those students coming back, I, I was in Bolivia with 10 students for three weeks. And then the other instructor with me was actually an alumna of shoulder to shoulder who'd gone on the original course and just learning about shoulder to shoulder from her perspective and seeing the change in the students just over those short three weeks. Um, we were in Bolivia supporting a nonprofit that builds water filters to deliver to um, indigenous communities so they have access to clean water and seeing the students reflect each day and really think deeply about the world and the things happening in the world and how vastly different their lives were from those of the people that they were working with in Bolivia and also how similar they were as well to me was like, wow, this is a really powerful program. So I stayed involved as a volunteer course instructor leading a few different courses for shoulder to shoulder and then came on full-time in 2016 to help with programming, which really is where, you know, Bob's description left off. And so since those uh, three programs we have expanded our programming to include uh, seven sites overseas and four sites in the United States. And um, similar to that first, you know, those first three courses, really the idea is that we put students shoulder to shoulder with inspiring nonprofit leaders and the communities that they serve. So the idea different from, I think we get sometimes lumped in with, you know, like traditional service programs that we're here to help or we're here to, to build stuff and, and be saviors is we really take a learning service approach. So the idea is that we are here as a group of students with two teachers to learn from this nonprofit, both about their mission and vision and why they exist. So there's a curriculum to help students think about why is this, why is there a problem related to girls education in Nepal, for example, or clean water in Bolivia? What are the systems causing this thing to happen? Um, and then the service work that we do really is a way for students to learn about what the nonprofit does on a day-to-day -day basis, as well as a way to get shoulder to shoulder with the community members and get their hands dirty and, and have conversations, right? So it's, you know, high school kids aren't necessarily going to be the best people at teaching English or building water filters, but when they're there doing that work with the people from the community, you look to the person next to you and you just start having these conversations that wouldn't come up um, if you put, you know, a group of people in a circle and just had them start talking. So it's, it's those conversations that come from the work that I think are really inspiring for students. And then we also have a curriculum when we're on these projects that the students are reflecting at the end of the day and thinking about, yeah, what are the qualities we see in the leaders that we're looking at? How are they getting the community to, to work on these problems? How do they interact with them? What are the things that you're noticing? So students really start to pick out, you know, when we talk about the, the phrase ethical or the, you know, what an ethical leader is, we really help them try and parse and, and see those qualities in the people that, um, we're working with. So our NGO partners really are the heart of our organization in the sense that they are the, the inspiration for our students as well as the teachers. So we now call our program field studies because really students are studying the idea of ethical leadership in the field, shoulder to shoulder with our nonprofit partners and also within the communities that those nonprofit partners serve. That's a really cool model. I think, um, <clears throat> you know, putting people in proximity to both those those types of groups is uh, is that's really kind of transformational, isn't it? Yeah, and that's I should have said that that's a word that Bob and I often come back to is that idea of of proximity from Brian Stevenson. I think who's who's wrote about it and talked about it so much. But the idea that it's it's really hard to understand an issue if you're not proximate to it, you know. And so we're not going to come back with the solution to education or clean water or things like that, but by getting proximate to the people who are working on that issue and getting proximate to the problem, you have a deeper understanding than if you were just back in, in Colorado or wherever you were, you know, studying about water issues or studying about education. It really is that proximity piece that I think for us 
that's where the the magic happens. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I uh, I like that model, and, and I think I think that's that's neat that you guys came came into that, um, you know, kind of on the ground, and and as you were kind of figuring it out, is that how how it evolved? Uh, it did, and um, and it it has it has layered since. So, and, and the and the concept of, of proximity is a is a good segue into that, because um, we also felt as though if we were going to be honest to the theory and to the approach uh, and to the idea of partnership, concept of shared value. Um, that it was going to be important to bring partners together. And I thought at that time, at least once a year. Um, and that has evolved into an annual event we now call the Ethical Leadership Forum. And so that includes bringing our NGO leaders. We've done it um, to this point um, in Colorado. So we actually, if they're overseas, we fly them in from these small villages and so on, we actually fly them into Colorado and it becomes a, it deepens the relationship um, that we have with our NGO nonprofit partners. We also invite our business partners and we also invite our philanthropic partners. Um, Cause we, we don't want, when we say, philanthropic partners and business right. partners, we don't want that to just be subtle code for people who write us checks. Um, because we think that there is, um, there's a problem in that kind of traditional mentality. Um, the problem being that the person, if you will, writing the check it, um, is doing so to assuage conscience or something when they could inevitably or they could um, they could be contributing to a problem without knowing it so we really we've really built an organization around relationships and around trust and to have that people have to spend time together and so not only are we in we sometimes refer to where we go backyards other people's backyards we also want to bring everybody at one time to one one backyard um, so that we can talk about what we're doing. Um, we can present ideas to each other. Um, and again, we can we can deepen the relationship, um, strengthen the trust. So that model is, you know, again, what we call the the. Um, uh, an organization of partners has now evolved to what we call our shoulder to shoulder network. And that is um, everybody involved with shoulder to shoulder from our, from our NGOs to our business partners, to our schools. And um, perhaps more importantly, or most importantly, our alumni. So the idea is, what we, what we came to understand, and especially in working with young people, it's, it's wonderful to, to, to see young people inspired. Um, and we saw that for a few years. And then we, were think, then we felt as though that we wanted more. Um, and we wanted more because they wanted more. They came to us and said, now what? And what I'm talking about is a high school kid having an experience in like this and then getting a hold of us once they're in college and saying, hey, do you have anything for me? I, that, you know, that was such a transformative experience. I'm really, um, uh, I'm really ha have the desire to do something more. And so we developed this network um, to, now, um, to now serve the mission. Our mission is basic. It's just to inspire and support ethical leadership. And now... Um, we now address not only high school students and um, in schools and so on, but our alumni all the way through their early careers. Yeah, that's that's really great. I, I like so that's kind that of the evolution of that model. To engage with um, with those 
stakeholders and those constituents. We, we call that kind of the inspire phase of, of engagement where you've brought someone in and you've, you've you know, created this, this relationship sure. with them. And so many, so many organizations and, and for-profit businesses just sort of drop the ball there. And, and they, they, you know, kind of look at that as, okay, well, we, we did what we were planning to do and, and everything's great and we can now move on. But really there's such a, a huge amount of power um, in that inspire phase where you have somebody who is, is so ingrained in your organization and so passionate about it. And so to, to be able to tap into that and, and allow them to, to continue that journey and, and elevate them to a, a new level or allow them to um, go out and, and evangelize for the organization and, and get more people into the fold is, is a really incredible uh, way to, to you know, leverage all of that, um, all that experience and all that knowledge and you know, all that kind of sunk cost into, into that relationship, um, you know, to, to make it go even farther. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because it's just coming into fruition. Now our oldest alumni are turning 31, uh, this year. Um, but they are, they're in hospitals, they're in courtrooms, they're on wall street, they're in schools, um, they're in businesses. Some of them have started their own business, and um, and so it's 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 intriguing to us. Um, but in in so many ways, we feel as though that really that group is will be is and will be in their evolution the manifestation of our mission because they truly are are working their way into leadership positions. And, um, and we feel obligated given that how we started with them was the inspiration piece. We feel obligated to continue the inspiration and, um, and to do that through, you know, through opportunities that are, um, that align with where they are developmentally, where they are in their lives. Again, they're in college, they're just graduated from college, they're, they're moving into their professions and, um, and we feel, you know, I guess an obligation to them and to our mission. That's great. What, what activities are you guys that kind of stimulation undertaking to, to keep that group in, in the fold? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's just starting. And, um, the, so there are a couple of them. The first one actually is the forum. Um, so they are. Um, uh, they're invited to it, um, as, as speakers, as panelists, um, and that gets them into a, into this, it it keeps them, um, in this conversation. Um, and Bill, maybe you could talk a little bit about some of what else they're doing as far as played around with different ways to connect them as a network. We've tried lots of you know, building our own technology, using things out there. And we've, we've recently settled on uh, Mighty Networks as a really powerful and easy way for us to build community. So that's, that's sort of the, I guess, the, the behind the scenes part where we're, we actually have our shoulder to shoulder network. So we have our alumni, we have past educators, we have our NGO partners, and it provides a really easy, clean space for all of us to communicate with each other. And it's really, we've come upon that, I think, in the past year. And so that's, we're working now on bringing everyone into that network. And I think this summer we had, you know, when we're just building out this network and inviting people into it because of the pandemic, we couldn't do our normal summer travel-based programming. And so we developed a few online guided courses and put the idea out. And we actually had alumni who are now in university or just out of university who put their hand up and said, yeah, I would love to either teach these courses or I'd love to be a mentor to high school students. And for us, it was sort of that aha moment of, wow, this is, you know, this is really coming together. So we had a course. One of the courses we offered this summer was um, from ideas to action. So it was helping high school students take an idea that they'd been thinking about related to something that was happening in their own community and try and move that idea to an action step by the end of the summer course. And 
Um, Bob and I supported the course in terms of, you know, from the technology standpoint, setting it up, being there, but really it was led by four of our alumni, two of which who had started a program on their own campus at the Asheville School, which was a summer camp for low-income youth. And so the course really was a case study about this thing, which they had a video about and they had created, which was amazing, but they really started with, okay, here's the final product that you're seeing when you watch this video. But what was it like to go from, hey, we should start this thing on campus to, hey, we've started this thing on campus. And so it was really amazing to, to see these students who are now in university walking high school students through their experience of taking this idea and turning it into action. And so since then, we've, we've offered courses um, this past fall, again, led by our alumni. And I think that's really the beginning that we're starting to see of, of having alumni coming back into the fold after they've had a shoulder-to-shoulder experience and now being the people who are mentoring and leading current high school students. Yeah, Stu, if you can imagine this, I'll connect this to our forum. So our forum this year, we had to do it online because of the pandemic. Um, And we attracted over 400 people, 16 countries. And these were um, people running businesses. Um, We had medical doctors. We had um, professors. Um, um, We had uh, finance people from all over the world. If you can imagine this, that what our dream is, is someday um, in NGOs as well, um, teachers, schools, so on and so forth. But someday, and actually it's starting in, in very small percentages, but someday when we look across all those sectors, you probably know where I'm going with that, at the forum, they're all going to be alumni or a large percentage of them will be alumni. Now, that's going to take years and years, and I, I'm sure I will be right. Uh, I'll be well checked out at that point, not checked out of the organization, checked out of life. Um, but, um, but cause you know, our, our, you know, the big idea here is to, is, is not to look at this as a zero sum game, um, but to just keep making the table bigger and bigger and bigger and inviting more and more people, more diversity, so on and so forth. Everybody standing on the common ground of seeing that all of these pressure pressing issues on the planet have one tap root, and that is the need for ethical leadership. And um, and so that's, you know, we're trying to build the shoulder-to-shoulder network, our alumni group, um, um, with with this in mind, um, that, that they're, they're carrying the torch. And, but instead of just writing them 20 years from now, it's every year, well, it's throughout, throughout each year, we just keep tapping in, tapping them on the shoulder, giving them opportunities, these kinds of opportunities. I think that's um, great that you're, and, uh, you're offering people that's where a we variety hope of different ways to continue to engage with the organization. And it's not just, you know, give us a, a testimonial and away you go yeah. or, um, right. or you know, send us some money and, and that'd be awesome. But there's, there's yeah. a variety of ways to continue to give to this idea of, you know, ethical leadership, um, across the globe. And, and, um, I think that's, I think that's great. Do you, what, what's your, what's your uptake on it? Do you, do you think that, that your numbers are where you, where you want them to be? Or, you know, obviously almost, almost everyone feels like they could, they'd like to do, do more, but you know, how, how do you feel like that is, is working for you right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'll just jump in quickly here, Bill. I, I, we're just warming up. Um, We, uh, we were on a a tremendous roll coming out of 2019. And, um, and of course we, along with everybody else got torpedoed by this, by the pandemic. Um, But in some ways uh, what the pandemic has revealed is everything we have, we saw, a lot of people saw it year, years ago. Um, we, we sometimes refer 
you know, we refer to people that are most vulnerable as having comorbid conditions. Well, that's where we work. And, um, and so for us, when we looked at this, we saw this as even a louder calling than what we saw before, you know, the need for ethical leadership. I mean, you can see the paucity of that. Um, it doesn't take, you know, you only need to pick up a newspaper or turn on right. the TV and you can see the problem with, with leadership around the globe. Um, so we feel very, very strongly about the mission. Um, <clears throat> realities when it comes to money. Yeah, it's, um, you know, that's, that's a, um, a struggle. Um, but we, um, but again, and we feel as though, I don't know, Bill, you might want to comment that comment on this, but I, I feel like um, um, we're not necessarily realizing economies of scale yet in our growth. And um, yeah, I would just add, I mean, I think on the over the next few years, in terms of both the, the scale of the organization and financially, I think we've we feel like we have a model that's been proven, but we'd really like to make sure that it is available to, you know, increasing the number of students that we have on our programming, increasing either, you know, the number of our, end, our nonprofit partners, or it could look like us taking, you know, normally we take one group per summer to work with our nonprofit partners. So also if we expand the amount of students that we're working with, we could be taking more than one group to our nonprofit partner, which obviously benefits them in numerous ways as well. So I think Right now, we're really um, happy with how the model works, but we'd really like to scale that model for impact so that we are having greater impact with our NGO partners as well as having more students that um, we're impacting. And then, of course, you know, to, to scale that impact on the financial side, of course, having money to help with that scaling in terms of staffing. Um, we were a staff of four before the pandemic, and now you know, we're a staff of two. And so... As by, I think not a day goes by that Bob and I continue to build the list of ideas. That we're like, if we can get you know one more person, here's what we could do. If we get two more person, two more people, here's what we do. And obviously the so that financial aspect I think would help us grow. You know, as an organization, really scale the ideas because every day that we are checking stuff our to do list, I think the the other side of the to do list is just getting bigger with ideas for how we could really grow the organization. Right, right. Um, it's that too many hats syndrome that, that most people yeah. kind of go through, particularly when, you know, in the early phases of, of their organization. Um, <clears throat> have you, have you done some, any work to identify those pieces that, that could be handed off if you, if, if you had, had more, more staff? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think recently we've been talking, um, you know, just in one particular area in terms of our, our educational impact, I think even after, the pandemic is over and the travel aspect of our organization um, gets back to running as normal. We've seen the flexibility that we have with being able to create programming, you know, remote-based programming where students from anywhere in the world can join us. Um, and so we would really like to continue to work with schools and students um, in a remote-based format. So having someone else, you know, on the education front who's helping to support that programming in addition to the, the summer programming have is definitely one thing that we've come up with and Bob, I'm sure you could add things as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm laughing a little bit, Bill, because, uh, gotcha. Stu, Bill and I were on what Bill, I don't know, two hour conversation today on that very topic. Um, and there are, yeah, there are, there are a, a couple of key, um, variables that will lead growth. Um, one is, uh, is, is what well, the one that should always lead is, is, is that which is meaningful to people, um, that which is mission driven, um, and that which, uh, um, which, um, deepens, broadens the value we're bringing to people. And that's what Bill's talking about as far as our reach to schools, um, and what we can do that schools can't do on their own, um, but that they can do with us. And to, to add a dimension that we just brought in our first international school into our organization there, they're in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. 
And our goal is to bring in schools from multiple continents. Um, and we have NGOs right now on four continents. Okay. Well, we would like students from four continents as well. And if you and if you start with if you start actually with schools and students on four continents and we have NGOs on four continents, that's going to bring in philanthropists, that's going to bring in businesses. And what you're what you're doing is you're back to that original idea of of lowering the barriers between people, uh, between sectors and um, and and using the, the basic concept of collaboration um, uh, in and uh, bringing these groups together to uh, to in, to really animate this mission of, of inspiring ethical leaders. Um, but we feel as though growth is important, but not, but not growth just in a singular plane, um, but uh, grow, inclusive growth. Um, and so, yeah, we, uh, we're talking about that. We, we actually have plans for it. Um, right. We, you know, we do, um, we do need backing for that. Um, and it's not a lot, actually. I, I think, uh, we create a lot of synergy um, between our partners, um, but um, we feel as though we're probably just a couple of hires away from being able to expand, really expand our impact in a in a way that gotcha. we hope will start. So, um, in that same line, or just having a greater influence on culture in terms in of fundraising. What? Uh, what, what would those numbers be? What are you, you know, what, what do you think you're looking at in terms of increase in uh, revenue in, let's say, Q1 of, of 2021 to enable you to take some of those hats off and, and hand them over to, to some other people? Yeah. Wow. Um, well, we've been thinking about that as well. <laughs> and... I feel as though, um, okay. I look at it. I don't look at it over quarters. I, I look at it over years, um, and I I believe that um, we could um, over a four year period um, we could begin to have a significant, significant cultural impact um, if we could expand in the ways I'm talking about. Okay. And I think we can do that for a million dollars over four years. So for 250000 a year, four years running, not only can we do that, but I think the growth, as, as we've modeled it out, the growth will also make us self-sustaining. And so at that point, the money that we would be raising would be going to lowering the, the, um, the barrier of entry, um, basically meaning um, moving to a needs-blind admissions policy. Right now, we, I don't think we've ever turned anybody down um, for admissions, um, into our programming students. Um, and we're always kind of knocking on doors, hands out, so on and so forth. But I think there's probably, um, self-selection as well. I think probably students select out, uh, cause they don't think it's possible, but we want to get to a point cause and Bill and I were just talking about this too. We feel very, very strongly that if we're serious about um, developing a community, an international community of leaders around the world, that the inspiration that's going to start that has to be across socioeconomic lines. Uh, it can't just be for kids whose parents can afford this while they're in high school. Um, it's, it's got to cross those barriers. Um, and so if we can get to that point that's self-sustaining, then any money that we can bring in, all of that can go to a needs-blind gotcha. process. Well, and I think we, we'll just be the off idea to the races of, if we get there. Of having that, that 
multi-year plan is is fantastic and it's certainly part of part of what we would talk about in terms of a vision um exercise where you're you're looking long term and you're really trying to to come up with this aspirational future state in in which your programs have have made a difference and so that becomes that vision piece um and you know certainly you have the values foundation that drives drives that vision and the mission kind of becomes this tactical more you know not quite day to day but but certainly and what are we doing? What do we what do we get up and do on a daily basis that that leads us toward that, you know, that three to five to ten year vision? And you know, funding is is a core component of that. Um, in right. terms of how do you align your fundraising with with yeah. that you know values, vision, and mission as well? So you're not just taking money from you know, from, from anybody, but that those people are on, on board with the program as well. And, um, it sounds like you have, uh, exactly. You, know, you have donors and you have some, some business partners. I'm guessing that those are, are, do you call them sponsors or are they more business donors? Okay. We call well. We call them partners because they contribute in various ways. Okay. Um, actually, uh, not very many of them write a check. Okay. Um, they um, they contribute th- through yeah. their. Yeah. Well, I think that aligns with your. Um, you know, it, it certainly aligns with with this aligns, vision's right. uh, component where you're trying to create lifelong participants. Um, are you trying to engage with any businesses that are doing, sure. um, you know, cause marketing yes. or anything like that? Is, are you going out and, and. Okay. Well, uh, not real. I, I'm suspicious of that. So, you know, just as you said, um, uh, um, a little bit earlier to, you know, to look for people who, who really, um, um, embrace the mission. Um, and I actually, I had somebody write me a check and I told them I couldn't take it. <laughs> and they looked at me, it was kind of this long hesitation. I said, it, they had heard me speak and they just wrote a check. And I said, well, okay. I, I would love for you to contribute, but we need to sit down and have a conversation first. Okay, good. And, um, and we did that and we talked for about 45 minutes and then they wrote the check. Um, but, uh, yeah, we are. Um, we're that serious about uh, about what we do. We, we um, you know, I, I would tell you that I, I think our okay. mission is actually not that well. Our mission is more of a strategy than the mission. I mean, the mission probably would um, would be simply stated as um, uh, as bringing. A, a kind of this weaving of, of justice and compassion uh, to the world. Right. Um, we, we, we look, we look at it in that, that kind of a broad term. The strategy for doing that is, okay. is creating this international community of ethical leaders. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah, so we similar, do that similar our, approach I, I would to say our method, the way that we talk about it, uh, uh, just using, slightly different language but but yeah you're you have this this vision um of a of a better world um and then the the mission becomes kind of the tactical ways that you're doing that so you you envision this better world through um you know this integrated leadership uh kind of component where where you're putting people in shoulder to shoulder with with communities and nonprofits to to learn how to be uh, a more effective and ethical leader. Yes. Right. Yeah. We, we, we just believe that, that, um, being prosperous as an individual or as an organization or, or however you want to see that a company is not mutually exclusive from contributing to the public good. That they, those two should be blended. 
and um, and that's well, I think kind that's, of the that's a good way to look at it for sure of ethical leadership for us. So, so in in your goal, I mean, I love I love the story that you just told where you had someone who just wanted to write you a check, and you you said, well, no, let's let's make sure everything's aligned here before we before we go down that path. I think that that's um, not only is it is it a, a, a great way to just stick stick to your guns in terms of of what you what you want to engage in and, and how you want to get there, but it also really cements this idea of, of relationship building and and the idea that that you want people to be on board with with the whole enchilada and not not just you know, the side dish. And, um, so I really like that, that you, you know, I, I think you could probably use the word courage that you had the courage to, to say, well, hold on, let's, let's talk about this first. Um, so have you thought about ways to, to kind of create that vibe where, where people need to be vetted to, participate in even as a donor yeah i mean I would, i'll just jump in there about quick and i think i think we've become a lot better at, at messaging what our organization does and how each partner group contributes to that so i think you know in the past few months we've really honed in on that and we're working on uh, building that messaging out on our new website as well as in a lot of materials i think we've become a lot more concise you know we have some one pagers that we are using with with donors and businesses as well as a new packet um, that we've designed for businesses. And I think we've become much more clear in our language about why shoulder to shoulder exists and what the roles of each partner group so that when we're out there and Bob is the one who's out there, you know, speaking with businesses and donors, it's really clear to them what they are getting involved in. So I think one way we've done that is really just by, by honing in and improving our message and becoming concise and clear in what, is our big why and how, you know, businesses and donors can contribute to that bigger why. Right. Right. I'm wondering if there's not a way, and, and this is a, a little bit of an off the wall sort of idea here, but um, a way to create some exclusivity, even in, 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 in being a donor and being this, you know, this primary function of, of, um, of nonprofits in terms of, of fundraising is, is, is getting donors on board. And if in creating this idea that in order to donate, you need to have participated in some component, whether that's a one-on-one -on -one conversation, which certainly doesn't scale particularly well, but, but might be an interesting thing to do in the short term to just, you know, part you know, sitting in on a, on a one-to-many kind of webinar or even, you know, watching a, a video that you, you put out there that's kind of a roadblock to, to donorship. I mean, I, I don't know that I've seen anyone doing that, but it's, it's certainly an, an interesting uh, idea that I think, you know, would, would be a differentiator as well as would perhaps increase, you know, maybe it, maybe it decreases the number of donors that you get because it's, you know, there's, there is a barrier, but the, the buy-in and, and the enthusiasm might, might increase. So it's, you know, like I said, it's a little bit of a, of an off the wall, off the wall kind of idea, but, uh, but it might be worth exploring. No, I, actually, I don't think it's off the wall at all. I, um, and, and that actually is one function of our annual forum. Right. So our donors are invited to the forum. We want them there. Um, and, um, and in that way, they get to meet everybody else. They get to meet the NGOs. They get to see students present. Um, they, uh, um, they get to connect with our schools. Um, so, you know, we, you know, we're, we're, we're dispersed around the world. So it's not so easy to do, but technology, the same technology that exposes,
exposed, I think that got all of this going, that exposed this over 20 years ago, um, these, this, this major, major paucity of, of trustworthy leadership is, is the same technology that can bring all of these people who I think, as I said earlier, had good intentions, but were working in their own silos. We can now bring all of them together. And I, I don't think it's crazy at all. I don't know that you can, uh, uh, that you can require it, but if you have to require right. it, there's probably something not quite complete yet with a relationship. Um, but to say to donors, hey, we want you to be part of this, this experience or this experience, and in this case, the forum, um, that to me, yeah, I, I think your principle behind that is right on. And I think it's a challenge for any organization to create meaningful experiences. Not, you know, I, I don't fault anybody for this, but, you know, the, the, the ones that are purely designed for mm-hmm. the wealthiest in an organization to raise money, whether it be an auction or something, that all has place. But it doesn't really work for us um, because we, we, we just believe that um, that value, that monetary value is going to come from the other, all the other forms of value, na- namely those right. that are, are manifesting themselves from the mission. And when people see that, yeah, that's the value. Yeah, it's, and, it's an interesting um, concept. So no, sure. I, I think you're right on. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I do, it's it's really a challenge because yeah. you know we we're all here trying to do our best and and a lot of that is fueled by opportunity which is often fueled by access to uh, you know, to either disposable income or or just income in general depending upon where you are and um, and so it's it's hard I think yes. for for organizations, particularly nonprofits, to, to turn down those opportunities when they when they come up, but but just asking a little bit more and, right. and, and making sure that there's alignment, making sure that there's understanding. Um, you know, even if you're going, even if you're you know have a, a potential opportunity for a large corporate, um, you know, kind of sponsor or or something like that, just making sure that there's some kind of alignment, because if there's not, then the opportunity on both sides is, is smaller. Um, whereas if there is alignment, um, you know, both, both or both participants are going to get a lot more out of that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's, that principles of shared value I had mentioned before is the glue for our whole organization, all of the partners. Um, and I will tell you, it, it, you know, I don't know that I, I don't know that I've learned much in my life, but, uh, but one thing I feel like I've learned about philanthropy is that mm-hmm. philanthropy is driven by philant- by a philanthropic spirit, not money. Now the amount of money somebody has might influence the size of the philanthropy. But the amount of money somebody has isn't necessarily correlated with a philanthropic spirit. Um, I don't know if that, if that, if that makes sense, meaning that, um, meaning, cause I always hear this and I bet a lot of nonprofit people hear it. Oh, we should go speak to these people. They have a lot of money. And when people say that to me, I say, well, I'm not, right. uh, I guess I'm not interested if they have a lot of money. I'm interested if they have a philanthropic spirit. That's what I'm interested in. And if they do, because I'm not going to them for their money, I'm going, I'm going to them to see if they want to become part of our organization, if they want to get behind this mission. And you know what I mean? I don't mean that to be trite. I, I actually think that's, that's, it's a, maybe a, a different perspective, but um, 
that's just been my experience. I mean, there are plenty of people. I mean, I, you know, Bono said this years ago, and I, I think he was right. Is that this isn't about money? It's not about technology. Um, it's not about right. resources. It's about will. You know, do we have the will to do it? Right. Um, and because all that other stuff is there, it's, it's just whether you know, it's just whether we want to work together as as a full humanity um, to you know to ensure justice ensure compassion i love it i think that's a great way to to look at it and 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 really understanding what you know we we i think we get back into the same boat if we if all we're doing is throwing money at things so if we you know we're in a sinking boat we just kind of throw money at it then there's not yeah this is kind of ties into what you guys do and you know, if, yes. if you just pay to have it fixed, then, you know, it's going to get run down again and, and you're going to be back in the same problem. Whereas if you, if you work with a nonprofit or, or, you know, someone in, in country who's experiencing these challenges, you, you then learn to kind of how to fix it yourself. Um, and, 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 or prevent it from happening again. And so, um, yeah, I like that. I like that idea I think that that's that's just a, a really interesting way to think about how how you guys are are encouraging that kind of leadership <laughs> that's true yeah well it keeps us yeah. going every day right bill huh. yeah it's it's intriguing but you're, you know, you're really getting into, um, you're getting into this blend of, of what it means to be human, um, all the way to how economies work. Um, and, um, and what it means to be a, a global society. I mean, that has been, God, that was at the center of all the political nonsense over the last few years. Um, you know, people using what I thought was deflective language, um, right? To uh, to believe that yeah. we are <laughs> not global. How, how how quickly we can oh, get back in our own little box? I think, and, and it's like, well, we all yeah. we all live in this one we, box, so yeah. You can try and cordon off yeah. your little section of it. Yeah. And if, and at if, the end of the yeah. day, that doesn't, it's, it's not going to work so well. Sure. No. Well, it'll, it'll work for, it'll work for your generation. Right. Right. Um, it's not going to work for well, future I really appreciate the two of you being right on now. the show today. And I, I, I'd like to ask a few questions at the end. And the first question is what, what are your takeaways? How did, how does this re- all resonate with you in terms of what we what we discussed today? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, as Bob and I were, were going into this, this is our the first podcast we've been on, and we're sort of like, well, how does this work? You know, what do we get out of it? But I think being able to to talk through our, through our ideas, you know, and basically like you know, in a sense, Bob and I are often on the phone or on Zoom talking through ideas, but to have someone else who doesn't know us, you know, as intimately as we know the organization listening and, and giving ideas and, and giving feedback. I think for us, it's really helpful to have an outsider in on that conversation because yeah, we talk so much that sometimes we're like, does that make it, you know, it makes sense to both of us, but does anyone else think that makes sense? So I think for me, that, that was definitely the most useful part and always just to get out there and, and to, to talk through ideas and, and to keep, you know, every, I feel like every time, we talk, we have a clearer vision of, of where we're going. So I think that was really useful to me. Great. Yeah. yeah. Same, same here. And I, you know, I think nonprofits are sometimes, um, um, seen as, as targets of charity. And I think charity has its place. That, mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, and they, you know, there's even the term charitable donations. 
And again, I, I, I think that has its place. But a, a conversation like this, um, you know, con- contributes to our thinking that um, that it's it's more it's more than just ch- charity. To me, strikes of again, I guess charity is um, is at its best in immediate response. Um, at its worst, is a an expression of noblesse oblige. And so being in a conversation like this helps me to, and, and kind of reminds us that, that what we're doing is, is serious business and we're not interested in being treated in a, in a, a patronizing way. Um, it's real business and we want real honesty. Uh, we want real transparency um, not only, not only at our business level, but all the way to the the mission. You know, we we, we don't want people to be quiet. If, if we want people to question um, what we're doing, and uh, that makes us stronger, and uh, makes us more principled. And so, I, I where can people find that's you what guys I take to from learn more about sessions like this? Yeah, uh, the best way is to go to shoulder to shoulder um, and as I mentioned, we should have our new website up in a few weeks here, but, um, all of our links to social on shoulder shoulder.com and, uh, you can see our organizational model and things like that. So that's the, the best place to go to learn about us. Fantastic. I'd like to end these, uh, discussions and conversations with, um, with an ask. And that is if you had, if you, if you had to ask someone, to do something after they've listened to this show um, to inspire them and, and have them take an action. What, what would that be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for us, you know, after, you know, hearing about you Shoulder, we really are organizational partners and, okay. you know, the way that we, find students, schools, NGO partners really is by word of mouth. You know, we don't advertise um, or things like that. So I think if, if someone heard about our mission and, you know, felt like they were connected to that mission, if you went to the website and thought, wow, you know, I'd really like my student or sorry, my child to learn more about this, you know, passing that on, or I have a business that might be interested in this, or, hey, I work at a school or know of a school that is really thinking about this next generation of, of ethical leaders, I think the best thing would be to do is to reach out to us and, you know, tell us about that, that person, that school or that nonprofit or that business that you think would make a good partner with students shoulder to shoulder. Great. And I, I think that's perfect. And I, I guess I would, what I would add to it as well is if, if you believe, if your interest is our interests, if if your interests align with um, with our mission um, and with our strategy, um, the way we're doing things, then um, get a hold of us, call us, um, because there is a place in our organization for you. you know, whether you're a school, whether you're a student, whether you're a business, whether you're a philanthropist. Whether you're an NGO, um, we're looking for people who are seeing the world through this lens, um, seeing seeing the way forward through this lens. Um, the you know looking at this idea of of blending prosperity with public purpose, um, seeing the the uh, uh, the intimate. Um, relationship um, between uh, between justice and compassion, um, and we see that directly connected to developing ethical leadership in a sustainable way in a in a way that will um, uh, in a in a global way, a way that will connect people from around the world. If you see that, if you identify with that kind of thinking, and you're interested. Yeah, just call call us. Uh, we want we want to expand. We want to grow, but we will always always know that our effectiveness 
is going to be rooted in relationships. And so Bill and I, we, we want to connect with people. Um, and we want to bring people to the table awesome. and uh, bring them. That's into great. The Thank you guys both so much for being on the show, Bob, Bill. I, I am really excited to hear how things are going and, and, uh, how you're tracking toward getting that million dollars for your next four years. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us on Stu. And, uh, yeah, now that we're connected, we'll have to, the next time our, our conference is in person, since you are, you're based in Colorado as well, we'll have to, to let you know about it and hopefully get a chance to meet you in person. There you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks for listening. If you would like to learn more about how to apply the audience engagement cycle to expand your organization's mission, there are two things you can do. Right now, you can go to missionuncomfortablebook.com to download a copy of my book. While you're there, you can get your purpose-driven marketing score to see where you can unearth some gold for your organization. If you would like to listen to back episodes of the show or sign up to be a guest, go to relishstudio.com slash podcast. That's it for this week. I'll be back next week with another great episode of Relish This.